Hey friends, welcome to the Intuitive Mother Podcast, the podcast created to help you awaken, heal, and connect to your truth and your desires as you journey home to you in the midst of motherhood. I'm your host, Angie Schaefer, wife, mom of two teen daughters, intuitive life coach and Reiki healer, creator of The Awoken Woman and spiritual joy seeker. Each week, we'll come together and chat just as if we are on my sofa, side by side, sharing sacred space. It is my greatest hope to help other moms by offering insights, interviews, and straight up truth on all things motherhood and womanhood to guide your journey home with a friendly and healing vibe. Our time is now. Let's go. Hey friends, welcome back to the Intuitive Mother Podcast. I am so glad you are here with us again this week. It is a guest episode week, and I cannot wait to share more about our guest with you. She and I connected for the first time just a few weeks ago, and I immediately knew that she would be such a fabulous person to have on here to share with you her work and her passion. Her name is Katie. Katie is an energy medicine healer, teacher, and holistic wellness practitioner who supports mothers to thrive and reclaim their empowerment and vibrancy while navigating the journey of motherhood and childbirth. She has dedicated the past two decades to collecting and cultivating a wide range of tools and wisdom to support others on the path home to their inherent wholeness, well-being, and freedom. She has traveled around the world and studied in the wisdom traditions and healing arts that have kindled in Katie a deep passion for offering rituals, circles, and mentorship support to honor rites of passage in women's lives. She has a diverse background that includes over a thousand plus hours of training in various bodywork and energy work modalities, including holistic pelvic care, trauma resolution, advanced craniosacral therapy, and seven years as a yoga teacher, as well as being a certified integrative health coach. She had a powerful initiary experience through the birth of her beloved daughter, which ultimately held a key in the awakening of her greater purpose. All right, listeners, today we have a special guest, Katie from Oregon. She is the wife and mom to two. She mentors women and holds circles to help women heal and honor their birth experience. Katie, I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Um, I feel like our story is this divine timing of just connection that we realize we even knew some pe- someone together, but um, you reached out to me and what you, the work you do, I can't wait for you to share it on the podcast um, because I myself was really taken by what you do and why you do it and could have used you as my mentor 15 years ago after my daughter's birth. So tell us a little bit about you and your story and what you do for women and um, share all of that with our listeners. Sure. Thank you. Um, So this work that I'm doing now all started back um, 
pre-children, I was studying biodynamic craniosacral therapy, which is all about how trauma lives in our body. And my teacher was trained in birth psychology and healing. And he told us all about the birth process and how a natural birth unfolds one way and does all these amazing things for our physiology. And then all this intervention and more medicalized ways that we're born has some impacts on our nervous system. And he had a saying that how we do birth is how we do life. And so then I was just obsessed with like how everyone is born and how it shows up, how they are in the world and all this stuff. So then that was prior to becoming a mom. Then in 2011, I became a mother and even holding all this knowledge, I had a horrible experience giving birth. I wanted a home birth. I ended up in a very medicalized C-section situation. Um, It was traumatic for both me and my child. Um, And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. It was was devastating. Um, And so I was already a body worker and a healer and knew all this stuff. And I started looking and seeking and seeing people. I was receiving all these different modalities going to different healers. And over time, I got better and I healed. And so now I'm offering this Reclaim Your Birth Circle. Um, I also do the work one-on-one with women. And I feel like it's my pay-it-forward passion project that, um, yeah, I just... I've taken from all the different things that I've um, that were effective and supportive to my healing, and I've taken trainings, in-depth trainings with more um, practitioners, people that where their work really resonated for me, and I've um, brought it into a whole system that is a circle format. Um, in the future, I'm hoping to launch a self-guided course so people can do it on their own and their own time and leisure. Um, and one-on-one, some people are more comfortable working in a group. Some people want to do it one-on-one, but, um, this is all to say that, um, we use this when it's a circle, there's not only the work that I'm offering people, which is based in um, helping to resolve trauma from the system. These are very practical embodiment tools. We do a lot of meditation and journaling and reflection um, to help to see how the trauma is showing up in your day-to-day life, in your Mm -hmm. experiences of being a mother, in your experiences with your interactions with your child and your partner, Um, So that's like the practical side of it, seeing how neurobiology really, it's out of our control that these things are happening. 
And then by getting this information, you start to see like, oh, I am getting triggered by this thing my kid is doing. Oh, that does maybe have to do with how um, they came into the world and how it affected both of us. Oh, here's where I can be resourceful in this moment now and create more connection and presence and coherence. Uh That's the practical side of it. Then I bring another layer to it, which is ceremonial. And that is more of the shamanic energetic realm of actually doing the spirit work for both the mother and the child. Um, And that is a very feminine experience. It's very much going into this vast, vastness, this mystery, this kind of memory place that you never know what's going to show up for people and what they're going to get out of it when you take them on this experience. And it just blows me away every time. Um, Women see things that they just had no idea were even running in the background Uh with the trauma and the trigger stuff. It's like, you kind of know when you hear about it and learn how to work with it, you kind of know like, Oh, am I a fighter or do I flee or do I do, am I someone who just kind of freezes and Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So I don't do anything. Um, you know, you kind of already have that sense of yourself, but the ceremony piece, it's just, it's so beautiful. And it's like bringing this, this feminine energy to one of the most feminine things you can do right, on the right. planet, which is <laughs> yeah. birth a child. So um, for me, that was really a missing piece in all the talk therapy and everything. Um, I was receiving regular craniosacral therapy, which was wonderful for my nervous system and this trauma piece. I was receiving, you know, talk therapy, but the ceremony piece added a layer that and a depth to the healing. And the wonderful thing about ceremony is that you can practice it over and over and again, again, and you always receive more, you receive more healing, more insight. Um, And what I noticed from doing it was, it was really a missing piece that helped me to honor that although my birth had not gone the way that I had wanted, the way that I had hoped in its outer form, I could really reclaim the sacredness of what my daughter and I went through to get her here. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really the medicine that I needed. And for a lot of women, that is that that seems to be a really powerful piece that is missing from, from their experience. When, when their birth becomes so medical and mechanized, they lose that connection to the sacred, to the mystery, to the vastness. Um, and to, to wonder, they, they lose that connection to wonder. And this, um, so this is their chance, (laughs) no matter how old their kid is, they're a few months old or I've taken women through this process where their kids are grown. They're in their sixties. Their kids are grown. Their kids are starting to think about having kids. And 
Um, yeah, yeah. When you shared that with me last week, when we were chatting, I was shocked because I think at first I probably thought like even someone like myself who had a traumatic birth experience times two was too far removed from the birth experience. Like I thought, okay, well, I've done my healing. I, you know, did some holistic modalities, did some therapy, um, just processed it myself and that, okay, you know, everything's good, but to really think about the femininity of it and the sacredness of that birth, you know, that's not something that I honored, even, even as someone who worked with midwives and it just wasn't something in the forefront of my mind at that point. But um, it really intrigued me that you can do this at any stage of your life when you want to reclaim that sacredness of the birth of your child. And what a deep connection and bond that you're solidifying in in that femininity and the divinity of the birth and everything as you as you provide this and the women that go through it, because I just think there's so many layers to birth that there can be a, like a disconnect in the bond from whatever reason. And, you know, I believe when I had my daughters, most of the time that was talked about only in the scenario where the child's either birthed and then taken because they have a medical emergency or, the mother has a medical emergency or in the afterbirth time period of like, she couldn't nurse her baby. Like that, that bond was where that became a disconnect. And there's so many more layers to birth or to trauma in birth. Like I only ever looked at my second daughter as the traumatic birth because I had a near death experience. I never looked at my oldest as a traumatic birth experience, but in our conversation, I had shared that even in like the past month, I was talking to my one friend about um, physical symptoms my daughter has and symptoms I used to feel when she was swimming and or sensations, I should say, like I was afraid she was going to drown, but clearly she was capable. She was on the high school swim team. (laughs) She knew how to dive in and get up and pull herself up. It still would like paralyze me and I would feel this pressure in my chest. And we're talking 15 years after her birth. Never did I look at her birth being traumatic, although it did not go as planned. I thought I was going to do a water birth. I ended up on Pitocin. I ended up with her, um, Let's see. I had the epidural. She was, it was like a 17 hours before I took the epidural. And then it still lasted like another seven hours. And when she came out, she wasn't breathing right away. She was wrapped in her cord. So there's so much trauma there, but I just sort of scooted it under the rug. Like we're good. She she's latching. She's healthy. We're just moving on. However, it was nine months after her birth that my first major panic attacks came out. And um, anyway, so I was just really intrigued and interested in the the vastness of the age that you can work with women and really just go back and reclaim that. And I imagine solidify the bond with the mother and the child, even if they're 60 and 40, or, (laughs) you know, in my case, in my 40s and my daughters in my teens, that there can just be a whole new perspective of that time period. 
Yeah, it's it's really beautiful and really sweet to mm-hmm. see um, what people report back as um, for some women, they've never felt like there was really a, a disconnect in their bond with their child, but it's more how they relate to themselves as a mother. Mm-hmm. And then for others, it's all about their connection to their child. That's so true. Yeah. Just that somewhere a disconnect showed up after yeah. afterwards, whether it was within yeah. the sacredness of their own body or yeah. Yeah. their child. I just, you know, I could see that. And I even see the resonance in like today's conversations that we're having about um, bodies, like female, bo- women's bodies mm-hmm. and young girls um, and the sacredness of loving themselves and their body just the way it is. And yeah. how even like just a disconnect of the mother with her body could create a disconnect that her daughter senses and it's just generationally taken on. And um, sure. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I find your work profound and intriguing. And, you know, I, I really thought when, when you first reached out, I was like, Oh, birth trauma. I had a birth trauma. This is going to be really fun to get to know her. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, like every really, how often do we really hear a woman say it went exactly as she planned? That doesn't doesn't really happen. (laughs) No, I I often hear that women, after having a difficult experience the first time, have a um, redemptive or repaired or inspiring experience, like their next time they birth or another, like if they have more children, then they're able to do the work that they need to to mm-hmm. show up in birth the way they want to mm-hmm. and show up um yeah they just they they approach yeah. it differently based on what they learn from the first birth i i don't i hear a lot of straightforward first birth stories like the birth went straightforward but there's there's always something <laughs> for for somebody like it's just we're um you know our modern culture we're we're not in a village where there's a birthing woman mm-hmm. ha- someone giving birth on the regular we're not we're not having lots and lots and lots of children like mm-hmm. as as women we're very disconnected and cut out you know and it is like oh you go to the hospital it's like a way even mm-hmm. even if you're a home having a home birth, I mean, how many people have attended somebody's home birth before birthing themselves? Unless you're a birth professional, it's like extremely rare that you would have attended a birth. So mm-hmm. that's that's all to say that I think that that's part of of where the trauma is getting locked in for so many of us because we're just not. We're not in touch with 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 the feminine process of this right, very intense rite of passage. Mm -hmm. And um, when it is a transformative experience, it it it's going into different parts of our brain, our spirit is called forth in a different way. I mean, it's it is 
it is a time that is different than your normal day-to-day time. Mm -hmm. And the brain states that you go into while you're birthing are very different. Mm -hmm. And so even if women haven't had an experience with that, being in these different brain states, if they're always in their thinking mind, doing mind, like do, 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 they're linear, then going into that, they the prefrontal cortex, the the, the front forebrain really powers down when you're in the birth process so that you can just go into that slower brainwave state. It becomes very physical. It becomes very embodied when it's a healthy, mm-hmm. undisturbed. Right. I was just going to say. Naturally, less. naturally progressing experience. Yeah. Like right. the ideal. I the say because yeah. there's no ideal. Um, yeah. So, so if you haven't even had experiences with that, you might be like, I like women will report, oh, I felt like I was crazy. I couldn't think I was like out of my body, you know, and it's like, it's actually kind of designed to take you into that state, but mm-hmm. not even being able to relate to that state might right. feel traumatic to you. Right. Right. Well, yeah. and also I, what's coming up for me as I'm hearing you is that we as a society do not yeah. share. Um, yeah. We, it's just, we're not really being raised in a society, not just that we're not seeing other births, but that we don't even always share about our yeah. births. I mean, yeah. we just say like, oh, it was a lovely yeah. <laughs> it was lovely. We, or no, we absolutely, like, it was really painful. I would never do that share, again. And yeah, we share yeah. in a linear, like very, like, um, like a linear way. Mm-hmm. We share like this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Like we don't talk yes. about like the wild side of it, like the mm-hmm. animal side of it. It's a very animal well, it's like, that's how we Wild are about life. Process. Like we're not going to share any, like to me, womanhood and motherhood is so wild. Mm-hmm. If we lean into that, if we're not yes. quick to just cover up what is happening yes. and not share, because we're afraid to say something because, you know, I think I believe, and it is my hope, but I do truly believe based on who I'm meeting and the world is bringing in, you know, into my realm that we're shift, you know, that is shifting. We're coming yeah. back into the divine feminine of being, of yeah. owning, you know, who we are and our stories and sharing them for the collective. And for, you know, to me, it feels like for that future generation of women to yeah. step into womanhood and motherhood, just knowing how sacred, you know, she is and knowing the support, like we are, I think like, I don't know, like I, I was in a, I was in a um, play group afterwards. Like we had all taken prenatal swimming together. So then we mm-hmm. all stayed in a, a play group. But when I think about it, we did not share, like it was maybe one every eight play group meetings, which were weekly that somebody would, you know, say a struggle that they mm. were having. You were almost more so coming together for the eventually for the kids to be together, but just for socialization. It wasn't, you know, because we weren't working at that point or whatnot, but we were not coming together and sharing the beauty of and the mess 
of mm-hmm. motherhood, but how the mess right. is so beautiful mm-hmm. in its own right. And we as a society have just gotten away from sharing that. I mean, and it's very similar when you speak of how we don't see births before we are in our own birth. It's very similar to death. It's like those two phases of life we have completely shut out. Whereas everything natural from our ancestors, we would have been in it. You would have been caring for the deceased or the the dying, you know, as they were there, you would have known what signs were coming, not Googling what's happening or calling on, you know, the doctor and all these interventions. You would have just allowed things to transpire. And I think that's the same for birth. You know, you would allow birth to just, that's why I chose to use a midwife. My body didn't necessarily cooperate for whatever reason that was for the first time. And maybe, you know, we were eight days late. So, you know, late, although I knew I was never, it never felt like she was going to come on time. (laughs) Um, The just based on knowing my cycle. I think that's another thing. Like we've gotten so far removed to really knowing our cycle. So they give us a date, but we could probably pinpoint a better date for them in a heartbeat. But we've gotten so far. I was far away from that when I had my daughter at 24. Um, but it's just, however things transpired, my body didn't respond. So then I was on Pitocin. And like, so now we're adding in all these externals versus mm-hmm. just allowing the beauty of the unfolding of whatever is going to happen. Um, And I just, I think we're far, we we were for a period of time, very far away from the connection of allowing the beauty of birth. And so now we have a, we have had a time period where I believe there are so many women that have been taught to jump towards the interventions, jump towards, you know, every possible, you know, doctor that could be in the room, every, you know, everything versus being surrounded and held in a sacred space with other women helping you who have been through it (laughs) and have been helping you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, such a beautiful time that we have almost, We've made it beautiful, but it's like the beautiful part is when the baby's here. (laughs) We've gotten away from the beauty of what happens in the birth time period, like when you're in birth versus baby's arrived. Okay, clean mom up. Everything's fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, everything you're speaking to, it's like, for me, I feel like it's like the you know, this patriarchal world culture that we live in, like has even infiltrated mothering (laughs) the Mm -hmm. most, the most feminine thing you could possibly (laughs) do has become masculine. Right. Um, And, you know, it becomes very mechanized. It wants to be in control. It wants to know. It wants to feel contained. Mm-hmm. It wants to march forward in a predictable manner, <laughs> and the feminine—the <laughs> feminine is—is is, you know, it's like um, in this book I actually just read um, by Britta Bushnell called "Transformed by Birth," and she's a she's a birth educator, but she also has a PhD in mythology, and she was yeah. talking about Artemis 
and Apollo. And Artemis is like the divine feminine. She's wild and she's unpredictable and she's like in the night and she's, she's just of the woods and of nature and, you know, and I think that that's really the energy that needs to come more forward and online for women when they are going into birth. Uh-huh. Whereas Apollo is like what we're seeing in birth. It's controlled. It's mechanized. It's predictable. It's marching forward in this, you know. Right. If you don't, very, you know, if it doesn't happen in eight hours, we'll do yeah. this. If it doesn't yeah, happen yeah. in another two, yeah. we'll do this. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to be, of course, safety and health is, is extremely important in birth and there needs to be a balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's like what, what is being desired in birth. And then I think what I'm seeing when I'm working with women on the other end, they've gone through this portal And like for a lot of them, it's like, oh, well, I just, I wanted that safety and control so much that they sacrificed the experience of being really connected to the feminine, mysterious Mm -hmm. energy of it just unfolding Mm -hmm. from their inherent, their inherent well, like the inherent Mm -hmm knowledge we the inherent wisdom we all hold inside our bodies inside our wombs that's like it's our birthright to give Mm -hmm. birth is our birthright but um yeah I just it so this is you know the reclaim your birth circle is like okay you didn't get that you realize that like oh like my mothering doesn't feel exactly how I was wanting it to feel um I've done spiritual work at other points in my life. I've done different kinds of meditation and whatnot. And now like I'm ready to bring some of that to honor my birth experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, you know, for a lot of people, it is just like really a, a coming home and a, and a stepping fully into their archetype as mother in Mm -hmm. a very like honoring and loving way. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Right now, I'm imagining that you're holding these ceremonies on Zoom, or are you in per- We're like doing everything? So I did them in the Bay Area before with my teacher Gina McCarthy of Birth Spirituality and Healing. That's um, who trained me in the basic framework that I use. Um, I bring in other pieces from some other people's work. Um, as well. We did those in person. Then I moved. (laughs) Then the (laughs) pandemic happened. And my plan was to start them in person here in Portland, Oregon. But um, the pandemic provided me an opportunity to do them online. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing now. Yeah. The the beauty of online, and you know, I, I say often a year ago or Two years ago, I would have never thought the depth of the connection you could get online. Yeah. You really can. It, you know, you just, I think I thought of it as more um, like certification type meetings or, you know, business yeah. meetings. But I've myself been coached on Zoom. I've, 
you know, done the coaching on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And there really is a true energetic energetic exchange and true depth mm -hmm. to what you can feel in, you know, in that connection on online. Absolutely. And um, I, I was really struck. I, I ran the first one in January and I was a little nervous that it wouldn't feel like a women's circle. I was so used to doing them in like a sweet birth center where you're all like sitting around with your tea and hanging mm -hmm. out. And, um, we, we just had that, that experience. Um, we do keep it very small. So it's, I, I was going to ask how many small, people are in all tight group. Um, because I think that, you know, you can't have more than like 13 people kind of to actually see everybody on the zoom uh -huh. screen it gets kind of like right right see everybody so keeping it small is one way that I, we keep that tight container and connection um but that being said it's it 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 didn't i love being in person and uh -huh. it didn't feel like there was something missing uh -huh. yeah that's that's wonderful yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's certainly for mothers, it's very convenient to be mm -hmm. able to like go in your bedroom and close a door and not have to like go out some somewhere, figure out more, like be gone longer. I know that that's like mm -hmm. can be difficult. Right. Um, right. So like, you know, with just like, because we do ask moms to be there with themselves, like the time is for mm -hmm. themselves prioritizing your healing. We talk about that as like the foundation of what we're doing is uh -huh. that you are a better mother. You are a better person. You can show up more fully in your life without this trauma uh -huh. bogging you down. Right. In any, in any aspect of your life, but the, the birth is a potent, potent uh, opportunity. I mean, it's just, it's a potent opportunity for anyone to, mm -hmm. to really take that, what happens in that time as like a huge opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, it's definitely a portal to awakening. Yes. If we're willing yeah. to, to see that. And yeah. there is, nothing wrong if you haven't realized that or recognized that because we can't undo all the years of being trained that it's not that and, no, and, and you know like that and just have it gone but it really yeah. is a portal to awakening and I often think about my journey in motherhood and I'm like wow it really like I always mothered in a very unique way I, I just had that mothering sense with my sister, you know, family. Um, but wow, the portal of awakening in motherhood. And it took me many years to catch up and realize that's what was, that's what happened, that I started my spiritual journey upon mm -hmm. entering motherhood. And oh yeah, I look back and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that was when I started going to an acupuncturist. That was when I started using herbs over <laughs> medications <laughs> prescribed by doctors. That was when I 
first decided I was going to stand up and go against anything a doctor prescribed. Mm. Interestingly, like it just was this innate knowing like, yeah, but I don't know if I really want to be on that unless I have to be like, let's see. And it wasn't that I didn't want to take care of myself. It was something inside of me. This is what worked for me. Like I knew that, nah, I don't know. And for me, what I'm referencing is I was actually at one point with the first panic attack prescribed antidepressants, which is fine. I know that they have their place and their time. And I used them for six months. And I went to my family doctor and I was like, I I have to shift off of these. They don't feel correct to me. And while I feel better, I feel like there might be other routes for me to explore. And it was all because I could remember hearing my grandmother say her entire life, I got to get my nerve pill. And so I had this like trigger in my mind, like I'm on a nerve pill. (laughs) But I also believe it was just the awakening, like that portal of motherhood that just taught me to start tuning in with me versus Mm -hmm. what everybody else said. And I am, I definitely do not discount medications. I believe just like, you know, hospitals and safety and we have to take care of every piece of sure. the puzzle. Yeah. And I, I know for myself, it was an awakening journey to coming home to the holistic approach that I definitely am more aligned with and mm-hmm. also just more aware of, aware mm-hmm. of what I was feeling inside and trusting that I was going to stand up to that for myself. Sure. Well, and there's a place for all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of my births ended up happening in a hospital um, but I can say that the first birth and the second birth were very, very different based on what I had learned. And, um, the experience for myself was that I had a very, uh, spiritually connected and conscious birth experience the second time. Whereas the first time I was so thrown off energetically um, and so just, I was back on my heels. I had no idea what was, what was going on um, that I didn't even know how to show up for myself to ask for what I was needing. Uh And that's where a lot of the trauma actually set in for me. And so I think that that's, it's, it's very common that you going into it, you don't know what you need and what you're going to want. So it's, it's very important that people, you know, gather these wise women around them and, and women who can really show up for you, Uh not just women, I shouldn't just women. There are very awesome conscious men out there as well. Right. Um, but in birth, it's a, it's typically a women's thing mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that can show up for you and sort of like advocate for you and, and, and be there for you. And, and I had a wonderful birth team, but I didn't even know I needed or wanted. Right. And, we very rarely you know. know. The whole thing was, it was such a humbling thing. And it's just perfect that I'm doing this work now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, <laughs> I like for me, it was, a, a, 
a huge catapult down my spiritual path, Mm -hmm. um, that experience. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And just layers and layers and layers of learning Mm -hmm. um, that have come out from that, that potent experience. Mm -hmm. And I continue to learn from it and continue to see in my connection with my daughter too, like how our relationship unfolds and how our connection unfolds. Um, Yeah. How, as I do more work on that experience, she benefits. Mm -hmm. And I would actually um, say even the learning and the unlearning in motherhood. The yeah. like that how much those two go together that we're we think we're just you know learning 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 like here I am here's my current mm-hmm. stack mm-hmm. I'm learning but then even as I read something and I'm I'm like oh or or the mirror that my daughters are to me oh gosh and I begin yes. to recognize things and unlearn who I who I am, what I, who I showed up as, what has been passed down. Um, you know, I constantly, I just podcasted this week, the episode was on roles that we play in our family because I am in a current process of unlearning the roles and sitting with the feeling of that being uncomfortable. And man, if birth is not a precursor to sitting in motherhood and being uncomfortable all the time, I don't know. I don't know what else could be like, that is definitely the kickoff to being uncomfortable. And if you think you're only uncomfortable for 24 hours or or eight hours or 17 hours, you're going to have a lifetime of uncomfortable. Like it's just sitting in it and recognizing. And, you know, I, I love like when a conscious man or when, you know, my husband and I, I, I'll share some deep, like, did you think about how that is me, you know, that part of your relationship with this daughter is playing into who you, or how you showed up or how you were mothered or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but on like, we're all here to unlearn and motherhood is just the epitome of sitting in the uncomfortable feelings. And it all starts with that that birth. And, you know, for me, without motherhood, I would not have even recognized. I I don't know what would have forced me to recognize the trauma that and the generational trauma that was following me and just what was stuck deep inside. I I don't know. And I'm, I'm hopeful that at some point it would have come out. I would have never, I would never have known, but for me, never was there a more important time to heal if not for them. And as much as it's for them, it's for me. Like, it's just so much. Like I see how much the healing of the trauma has done for me, but then what it's done for them. And then the hopefulness of what it will do for their future children and going forward, because Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, we have to start embodying ourselves and our feelings and sitting with them and being uncomfortable so that we can pass that on as being sacred, not scary to mm-hmm. our future generations. Yeah. yeah. Sacred, yeah. not scary. That is a very, yeah. <laughs> that's just a random one that came out like sacred, not scary. It's, yeah. it's so sacred. It's like a sacred space to sit in mm-hmm. the uncomfortable sacred space to be in the birth. And we just, our society has just gone so far away and is now coming back from it being sacred space Mm -hmm. 
and we've made it a scary space because the minute one thing maybe doesn't progress correctly, we're all up in arms. And in some situations, the health is that concern. And that's a major point. But at other times, it could just be you need, you know, we all hear the story about the OBGYN that has to make a golf cart, a golf course date or whatever, sure. and they are pushing the woman to go faster <laughs> or we use medication to get it to go faster. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think really the sacredness of sharing about a birth really is amazing in your work or whatever, because it will really create, you know, I hope it starts to take on more and more just all of this, everybody that you know that this is their work and their passion, because I feel like the next generation we need it, but they need it. Yeah. I mean, so a couple of things you're speaking to are the, I'm not a birth worker and I'm not in the hospital a lot. So this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And from the nurses and uh, people who are working in the hospital more frequently, it's just, it's not a very trauma informed space. And so they're, they're not trained to be present with people. Mm-hmm. They're not trained to be conscious about the whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, like a mother centric mm-hmm. birth experience. It's, it's very, it's gotten very like, you know, you're going into the body mechanic and, you know, birth does have for generations prior to more modern medical practices and still in many populations, like there are maternal and fetal death rates. And so, you know, there's always that risk and that's always being played out um, that there's that fear. But I think the medical establishment's reaction to that fear is to pull back from being present and vulnerable with their patients instead of leaning into being with them. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've heard that it's changing a lot with nurses and labor and delivery. And like I, the hospital where I birthed one child, they were very present. The hospital where I birthed another child, they were not. So mm-hmm. it just, it definitely depends where you are birthing. And, but, but what I saw was like, like just trauma can get set in just by the fact that what's happening to you is scary and there's no one there to see you or meet you or be present with you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not what is happening. It's, it's how you're met and how your humanness and your vulnerability is held that a lot of times has a traumatic experience or traumatic reaction sink in. Yeah. And so um, get hooked into your, your nervous system and your brain. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's. (sighs) Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. It's just such a rich place to look like, oh, like, I bet if the medical staff had just been with me a little bit more through that process, instead of just like, no, like, heartbeats dropping, let's go like rush, 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 like, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I wonder what would have, you know, like just a soft hand on my shoulder, like it's going to be okay. Like someone mm-hmm. who's really present with you. Right. Um, just even that can be a huge, huge. And, and I hear stories from women who weren't traumatized by their experience because there was that awesome nurse mm-hmm. who was with me the whole time, looking me in the eyes, like you can do this. I know you're scared. Just take a deep breath. Like those kind of things that really helps. That is like, we are all here to be seen and heard. Yes, exactly. And if we're not getting that need met in childbirth, it's frightening. And I can share, I had those two exact situations. I probably, as you're saying this, I'm getting the hit that like, I didn't think my first daughter was a traumatic birth because Peg Note right there, 17 years later, I remember her name. Peg, <laughs> the nurse, held my hand, looked me in the eye. She got like on my level, even as the contractions were really hard, even mm-hmm. as I'm supposed to be pushing and bearing in. And, uh, you know, everything. She was just there. She yeah. was very grim. She was a little older. It was an older Catholic church that I had, I mean, church, um, older Catholic hospital that I had decided to, well, the midwives that time chose that hospital. They had a water birth area that we Mm -hmm. were hopeful I would be able to give birth in. And um, that's why we chose that hospital. The nurse was a little older, very grandmotherly. Um, She's probably only in her fifties looking back, like probably fifties, maybe early sixties. But to me at that point, she looked like a really like steadfast grandma and (laughs) she was seeing me through this and my mom and sister were there. But to be honest, my sister was 16, had never had a baby. So she, you know, there, she did witness, she witnessed two births prior to her own child, uh, own children. My mom came from the generation where like she was there and I remember her holding my hand and encouraging me, but it wasn't, I think it just came from a different generation of like, Mm -hmm. you're not really in it. Like you don't like the emotions of it and the presence. um, Yeah. yeah, And she was wonderful. She held me up and, you know, walked me through it. And I would say like, even knew how to count better than my husband but it still was different. That nurse was so there. The second birth, um, it just like the birth was beautiful, but even like the nurse, I just remember it feeling much more like just get the job done. Yeah. And it was in a teaching hospital. I had the midwife again and all hell broke loose afterwards. But I just remember it feeling like going, going, going. And when you're talking about the trauma getting stuck in that that moment of fear, I shared with you when we were talking last week, like I had that moment in that afterbirth where I said, I'm dying. And they just, instead of, even my midwife, who I adored, instead of meeting me in that fear, yeah, answer was, no, you're not, you're in a hospital. Right. Okay. Well, people, and I remember saying to her, I work in this hospital and people die every day. Mm-hmm. And the fear in my husband's eyes, the fear in my sister's eyes, my mom ran out of the room. I can't do this. Like, I remember hearing her say, I can't do this. And I remember saying, get me my blessed cross and get that on my neck. Like now, like I just thought, oh my God, I'm seriously dying. And mm-hmm. I, I question, I have had 
for my old, my youngest will be 15. For 15 years, I have battled these intense, like, oh my gosh, my heart just palpitated. I must be dying. Oh my gosh. Like I have a pain here. I must have a tumor. I must like, and it's me. <laughs> like, it sounds like I'm this crazy anxious person, but I believe there's just trauma lodged in areas right. that like, when I said, I think I'm dying and everybody just discounted it and threw it off and nobody sat in the present. I mean, my poor husband looked like he was as white as a ghost and he yeah. was like, he didn't know what yeah. to do. And there I am vocalizing that nobody yeah. in the birth who sees births all the time got with me yeah. and said, there was only one moment, the midwife, as I'm being rushed down the hallway to surgery, the midwife said, I got you. I'm here next to you. Yeah. I, I wish somebody would have told me that 20 minutes prior when I swear to God, I was dying. <laughs> because right. Then the next thing I remember singing was a bright light and hearing she's going under. And I'm like, what? The? I mean, I seriously thought I was dying. And mm -hmm. all these years later, every little thing health wise that hits, I'm like, oh my God, what if I die? I must be dying. And yeah. it really makes me wonder like the whole traumatic birth and not being seen and heard in that moment yeah. of like, this is a genuine fear it probably is coming through from generations. Well, prior. there is somebody yeah. else had to have had that, you know, and there, and there was a sense of fear. fear. The fear of death when it's actually happening is a survival <laughs> mechanism. <laughs> so that is like, an, like a, we're, we're biologically designed to fear, to fear death. Mm -hmm. And it's like mm -hmm. in the lower parts of our brain, like we're always, we're always tracking whether that's going to happen or not. Mm -hmm. um, the and the triggering that you're talking about, though, with the with your nervous system now, like, oh, I I like felt something weird in my body. <gasps> Am I going to die? Like that's those triggers are are definitely out of your control. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an interesting thing to work with the trauma and why we usually need to go into more embodiment practices mm -hmm. into more practices that, that calm the brain down mm -hmm. because where that lives in our brain, it's not, we can't talk ourselves out of a trigger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You cannot talk yourself out of being anxious about dying. Right. Just, right. You can't because where that lives in our brain, it's not something that you access mm -hmm. by your forebrain, by the prefrontal cortex. It doesn't live there. Mm -hmm. And by doing these practices, which interestingly, ceremonies for gender, for millennia in across all cultures have different elements that bring your brain into these slower states that allow you to access this part of your brain to free it from these traumatic triggers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like humming, drumming, dancing, chanting, movement, compassionate connection, being mm -hmm. with somebody who's really present with you. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's fascinating that we as humans, 
trauma has always existed as long as there's been humans. I mean, people die. It's the cycle of life. You're being chased by a tiger. Mm -hmm. What is not natural is that we are always acting like that now Uh because we have lost our deep connection to these somatic and embodiment resources and practices that we used to practice communally just as part of the everyday thing that you did. The cycle of living in a community would have these community practices built in. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've just lost that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I remember. And so so like you can let yourself off the hook that you're getting triggered. (laughs) We're like I'm crazy. <laughs> we're, no, we're constantly I mean, tr- triggered by this. We like, all are. <laughs> yeah, we we all have our thing. Like that's what I say. And like we all got. There's our like <laughs> there's like that was like revolutionary for me. Like oh, getting triggered, having your trauma re-triggered is like not even in your conscious control. Right. So, but it can feel really vulnerable and embarrassing because mm-hmm. you're like why am I freaking out every time this happens? Mm-hmm. Like that is if you're if you're doing personal growth and you know about this stuff you're like like come on i know i know mm-hmm. about this why why am is this thing my kids doing like freaking me out or like mm-hmm. you're saying like you're gasping every time your daughter you're like oh it's so embarrassing like i want to feel great about my daughter swimming right. not like <gasps> is she going to die but like knowing that like Oh, this isn't a part of my brain mm-hmm. <laughs> and my being that really needs like embodiment support and Absolutely. the sense of safety mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being seen and he- back to seen and held. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, I know it's that does so much it does. for the healing and the unhooking mm-hmm. from the trauma response. So you Mm -hmm. can be more resourceful. You can respond, not react. You can feel more coherent. Mm -hmm. You can feel more, more present, like more, you get, you have more access to your intuition and your inspiration and like, you know, what you're wanting to create versus just being this constant reaction. Right. Right. Because you're trying to keep yourself safe. Right. Well, and I know I saw on Instagram today, you posted a pile of books that were mm-hmm. like your books for your, um, you know, the most, Dumb. the most impactful Dumb. books yes. for your life. And of course, like I have this one on my, yes. you know, so we share that one. I yeah. have not even, I, as you could see by my pile, I've got a pile. So I don't necessarily like blow through the whole book I go back and I'm like oh yeah this book was profound in me just recognizing the like that that freeze state or the Mm -hmm. you know the the flight the fight and embodying and to the extent of like I do that shower exercise that he talks about all the Mm -hmm. time like I have some dental issues and recently when the dental issues peak I get in the shower and just put the pulsating head like on the location within 24 hours. It moves out of my body. I mean, it's the most profound. So like you do, you learn to be just aware instead of freaking out. Like, Oh my God. I mean, even the other day when I said something like, yeah, I feel this and you know, I hope it's nothing. 
And my husband looked at me and he's like, do you want to go for a walk? I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, let's go for a walk. Like yeah. I, my tendency as a child from trauma, from the wounds is to get in my head, like worst case scenario, trauma, you know, freak out. Or, but when I get in my body, it's so much clearer and I can make logical sense as to, oh yeah, well, this is going on. So of course that's, I'm feeling that. And yeah. You know, in my spiritual journey, there was a point where I referenced to my one coach that I had just run a 5K and it had brought me to tears, but I felt embarrassed crying because um, I wasn't a runner. I was like running it with my daughter in a race and I was embarrassed because other people were around and I didn't want to cry in front of them. And I said, I don't know. And she, as she was leaving my house that day, she was like, just an invitation, keep running. And I was like, keep running. So a month later, I signed up for my first half marathon. Mm-hmm. And in the midst mm-hmm. of the training, I realized exactly what she was telling me to do was to get in my body. But yeah. at that point in who I was and where I was on my spiritual journey, I was not in my body. And if she would have said, run to get in your body, I would have been like, what, <laughs> what is she talking about? I thought I was just looking to access tears. Like I thought she thought it was like something you know, emotional that needed to come out. And it was, but it had to exist in my body first. Like I had to be pushed to the limit of feeling it and overcoming some fears in the embodiment of running. And um, there's so much, so much to that. that, Yeah. Yeah. Keep running. I'm like, what? I said to my husband, she told me to keep running. And so I go, two weeks later, he sends me an email and it's from his work that says they would pay for all the applicants who were going to sign up for this particular race. And I emailed him back and I'm like, sign me up for the half. And he was like, you thought you were going to die at the 5k. And I was like, sign me up for the half. Let's see. (laughs) And, and I did it like I did two in six months and I haven't run a half since, but with COVID and that you, you can't, you get away from it. But it was, it was a phase of my life where I needed to understand embodying, like getting back sure. into mm-hmm. feeling my body. I had stopped feeling for so long in my body, but um, yeah. So I know you love that book. What is your, what's your top book for on I know you just read one that you loved, but like, do you have a top book on um, trauma and birth, birth experiences and, you know, shifting um, through in motherhood for that? Yeah. So the, I, I think I have like, I'm like looking at my pile over there. <laughs> um, I think like for birth in general, um, the birthing from when within and then um, now Britta Bushnell just wrote this book called um, Transformed by Birth. Um, that really speaks to um, what what I'm talking about and the stand I am for women to really embrace their birth experience as a, an opportunity for transformation and growth, no matter what, no matter what shape or form it takes. I, I I think that the natural birth world is amazing, but it also has um, created sort of um, an overlay for women that if they don't get that, that that there's something wrong with them, uh-huh. and uh-huh. that something 
you know, if you're desiring that experience and you don't get it for me, that was a big part of my trauma was actually sort of what I called self-inflicted, like harsh judgment trauma (laughs) of like feeling like I failed because I ended up with an emergent C-section that was um, very scary for both me and my child. Mm-hmm. And Wait, so, yeah. yeah, I could say that. Um, that was my, that was a lot of the work I personally did. And, and I see that a lot with, you know, mothers just mourning the loss of what they wanted and didn't get. And, mm-hmm. um, so I really love her approach because she really talks about birth as a transformation and like the heroine's journey. It is a journey into the underworld, into the mystery. Um, It is not about, and you know, underworld journeys are not like kumbaya and sitting in a hot tub giving birth. I mean, it is Uh like, you know, you need to show up to do your work. Uh-huh. That that's what shadow work is. Is exactly right. Yep. No yeah. running. <laughs> no, yeah. no running from that. Commit. Yeah. Get, exactly. Get <laughs> exactly. So just like seizing it as that opportunity. So I love her new book. It's brand new. It's um just came out. And then the one that I just fall back on that is like my all time favorite is um Tammy Lynn Kent is a pelvic floor therapist. Actually, she's from Portland. So I just got to study with her and meet her and see her in this last year, which has been amazing. Um, But I followed her work for a really long time. And her book is called Mothering from Your Center. And it's all about really like honoring the sacred feminine in your motherhood journey. I'm so, going to have to pick that one up, add it to yes, my pile. Yes. <laughs> it, and, it, and it talks a lot about like doing some energy work um, on the the birth field. If she, she talks about how that there's like an energy field around the birth experience and that like how to repair that and work with that. Um, she talks a lot about like how to prepare yourself going into birth and then just just approaching motherhood from a very feminine and embodied place and mm-hmm. letting go of a lot of the conditioning that we're, we're talking about the learning mm-hmm. and unlearning. So mm-hmm. I, I really, I adore her work and her approach. She has three books, wild feminine mothering from your center and wild creative. And they're all amazing. Huh. Um, really incredible works. So I'm going to um, pop off, go on Amazon and put all of them in my safe for later. You know, I have like a 50 yeah, books yeah. in my yeah, safe exactly. for later. And then I see what call, what I'm called to. Yeah. She's <laughs> just like, she yeah. says that, um, cause she works, you know, doing pelvic floor therapy. So she said that she's like the spokes spokeswoman for women's pelvises. <laughs> like, and that's how like this energy work that she has created like she's like women's pelvises told me about this women's bodies are like Mm -hmm. this is like energetically what's going on and stuff and so she's just I'm yeah very inspired Mm. and influenced by her work and she's just incredible so yeah yeah it sounds 
Let's put those on and I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes for anybody yes. who's interested. I yeah. know, um, gosh, it's just an enlightening conversation. And I think it was like the power of women coming together and honoring birth and motherhood and womanhood and the feminine instead of just the conditioning that we've, um, you know, zombied through for so long. And um, I am curious as we wrap up, what would be your invitation to other moms that are looking to, or understand, not really understand, but like healing their own birth trauma or recognizing it. Like the first, your first step, like, I don't know, I met you and you were actually the first person that I ever met that was a, that this was your passion and your work and your focus as you mentor other women. So finding that group or, um, you know, what's the one step they can take to ensuring that they start healing their birth trauma prior to birth or after birth? Yeah. Um, the very first step, I would say, is tapping in to self-compassion. Yeah. compassion for either what you've gone through or what you're going to go through and being connected. And if you don't know mm-hmm. what compassion means or self-compassion means, mm-hmm. um, look it up, learn about it. There's wonderful meditations all over the place. Um, but having compassion a soft heart for ourselves and what the experience that you've either had or going through is just such good medicine. Uh Uh It's such good medicine and it gives you the space to really be vulnerable and tell the truth about what, what happened. Uh Uh I would feel, um, you know, a great add on to that is to find yourself someone that will see and hear you sure. through that self compassion as yeah, well. Reach out, because it reach is the, support. and it may not be your mom and it may not be your sister or your aunt or your midwife. Or, I mean, and they, they would certainly be, in my eyes, you know, 17 years ago, I thought that was, and she was profoundly different than in, you know, most OBGYNs that I've seen. But find yourself your person who's, going to see and hear you and yeah. let you honor that self-compassion and yeah you, and somebody there in it there's there's a wonderful organization that I'm a part of called um the association of pre and perinatal psychology and um it's a p p p a h I think APA and um there's a wealth of knowledge on that site and um, practitioners all over the country, actually all over the world that um, offer this, this work and this support. Um, of course, I'd love to have anyone in a circle. Well, I was going to say, and your circles are on Zoom, so we can, out, can definitely um, do that. Yeah. Innerwisdommotherhood.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, reaching out for support 
give yourself a lot of compassion, lots of hugs for yourself, mamas. Yeah. yeah Cause you're going to need it all of, That's all of motherhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know just the other month, uh, you know, my, oh, as my daughter's get older, we are constantly having to remind ourselves of the self-compassion of either how we showed up or how we wanted to show up. And it just happens a cycle over and over and over in motherhood. And my friend said to me, you're going to have to embrace self-compassion and self-forgiveness on that. Like you cannot. And she is sort of that person that I go to and I'm just, she sees me and hears me and I'm reminded because, you know, I know, I know, I know that, but yet in the midst of the birth, in the midst of motherhood, it's so easy to go off and like totally blaming yourself, blaming your body, blaming, you know, your actions and to have the compassion and the forgiveness for yourself to, you know, every every moment in the present is a new moment and you don't know, and you just show up to the best. Like I always remind myself to the best that I could and with compassion. So yeah, it's going to keep coming back around. So, yep. well, I would, I will definitely be connecting your link to your website and your Instagram on the show notes. And you just referenced that, but I'm so glad that you were able to come on here and share with our listeners all about what you do. I really, I, you know, maybe we'll even have you back at another point. There'll be another topic that sort of connects in because it's just such an interesting, interesting, um, you know, insight and thought to birthing and motherhood and some something that I wish I had leaned in on or had even heard of, you know, 17 years ago. The whole thing is like the more awareness we build around it, the, I think the less traumatic (laughs) birth is going to be for people. So that's like our whole goal is educating people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. And it was, um, it was such a such an honor to have you here and a joy to get to talk to you. So yeah, thank all you. So right. Much. Thank you. You have a great day. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey friends, thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Intuitive Mother Podcast. I am so deeply grateful for each and every one of you that has listened in, whether it's your 50th episode or first episode, you taking the time to share this sacred space with me means the world to me and warms my heart. Of course, I would love to hear from each and every one of you about what interviews you loved and what you want to hear more of. Drop me a line at Angie at Angie On my website, you can also learn more about the programs that I'm offering and the coaching and healings that are also available for each one of you as you journey home to your sacred self. I am thankful for you spending your time with me and I cannot wait to share another episode with you next week. Have a great day.